Thanks for joining us at the Digital Leaders Podcast, where leaders of the digital economy share business advice from their professional experiences. Our guest today is Kevin Lawson, who is a serial entrepreneur currently focused on the Web3 and NFT spaces. Kevin is the co-founder of Purple Penguin, which is an impact NFT aimed at aiding climate conservation through education, music, and gaming. Kevin joins us today to debunk some of the misconceptions surrounding NFTs. Oh, it looks like Kevin is ready. Let's get started. My name is Kevin Lawson. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Purple Penguin. Uh, and then I'm also a consultant for a few different other Web3 projects, uh, ranging from environmental impact to gaming and um, just NFT launches in general. Nice. Well, Kevin, it's amazing to have you here. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this conversation. I'm excited about the, the topic that we're about to get into. And, you know, if I'll, I'll just give the audience a bit of a preview into to what we're about to talk about. When we were speaking offline, you mentioned to me that when you initially got into NFTs, you got some pushback from some of your fellow artists. <laughs> and I was wondering, could you, would you mind sharing some of that story with our audience? Yeah, so my journey with NFTs was like a lot of people's last year. I first found them through um, NBA Top Shots, um, but I'm not really a, a sports guy. Basketball, I, I like it, but I don't watch it or anything like that. So I was kind of in a, a territory that's not familiar for me. It's not really where my my joy was, but I could see the value of an NFT and understood that this is kind of like a life-changing technology. But I am also an artist. These are not my paintings. They're a friend of mine, just to be clear about that. Um, but I'm also an artist, right? So I paint big four-foot size canvases. And um, quite often, the process of selling a canvas is having somebody come to my house, look at the art, see it, uh, decide if they want to keep it or buy it or whatever. But it's actually, they have to come physically to see it. It's hard to sell a piece of art online that's a physical piece because they don't. you, you can't really sell the, um, the image as easily as you can when somebody can see the details of the painting in person, right? But... I also run events and I was just starting to explore turning my art into um, video files so that I could projection map at these concerts that I'm hosting. Um, so I was trying to turn my art into video files that we could display on screens behind the bands and behind DJs um, so that I could get involved as an artist and not just an organizer. So I had all these video files already made. And when I found NFTs, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and put some of these out there as NFT video files and just see what the response is to my artwork as a video file versus a canvas on my wall. And the response was pretty good from the NFT community. But when I started telling my friends about what I was doing, um, you know, it was a mix of responses of, oh, now you're just a salesman selling your stuff. But I've always been selling people's art. Like I sell concerts, I sell other people's artwork all the time. It was just now I'm selling my own artwork. And then the other side of it was quite often the environmental impact because the first story people hear about cryptocurrency is that Bitcoin and Ethereum destroy the Amazon with the amount of impact that they have from their carbon emissions, um, which, you know, it's not wrong. The proof of work chains are very bad for the environment. However, when things do cause an impact so negative, um, it encourages a increase in technology focus on solving these problems. Um, so there's multiple reasons that it's, it's a bit outdated of an idea that these chains are super impactful and it's more like the low hanging fruit. So, I had a lot of friends kind of giving me some pushback on me selling my art as an NFT. But the other side of things that I always push back with was, you know, I've been running concerts and festivals for 10 years and those aren't good for the environment. I've worked in video games and gaming's not good for the environment. 
even just painting my art on a canvas, you know, the, the paint itself, the canvas, all of that shipping there, there is no way to do anything that is really good for the environment. So it's just a new tool in the kit and navigating it consciously was, was what the solution came to be. It was, okay, this is something that is true. So how do I use this tool and be aware of this being a factor in, in this new tool? Got you. And so w- what did you ultimately do? So when I first released my NFTs, I released them through the Tezos network. Um, they're a proof of stake chain. It's a really simple platform to release your or a blockchain to release your NFTs through. Um, and the platform that I was releasing them through at the time was called Here Equals Now. Um, they were one of the biggest platforms at the time, but they have since shut down and uh, other platforms have taken over on the Tezos chain to fill the gap that they once had. Um, so I was releasing on, on that chain. It was a few cents to mint an NFT compared to a few hundred dollars. So the barrier to entry was really easy. Um, because of that, a lot of people in third world countries use that platform because, again, it's really easy for them to get started. Um, and then another side of the Tezos platform that I liked is you know they are environmentally friendly and they do have the Tezos Foundation. So uh, a portion of the revenue that they bring in actually goes to supporting other artists, supporting projects and environmental impact. Um, so it was a platform that I felt comfortable minting my NFTs on, given the you know pushback that I had received, and then the amount of positives that come from that chain versus uh, you know your traditional methods there or your your gold standard methods of uh, minting on Ethereum. Ah, I get it. Also, I, I actually, you know, I, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, hmm. It's, so is it then fair to say that some of these change chains, maybe like an Ethereum? Um, or, or, or Bitcoin. Well, I, I don't think we, we, we meant too many NFTs on Bitcoin, but Ethereum in particular, that these are sort of like a first world chain versus the Tezos and Solano might be more for d- developing nations. Is, is that? Yeah, you could kind of look at it that way almost. Um, you know, the Ethereum barrier to entry is it's a little bit harder to get started with Ethereum um, versus, say, Solana or something like Tezos because the fees to mint an NFT is very high and the impact on the world is very high. Um, There are more collectors that tend to be on the Ethereum network. But again, if you're spending money collecting NFTs on a regular basis, you kind of do have that first world advantage if you're able to throw big dollars at at NFTs, right? Um, So it kind of has become like the gold standard is what a lot of people call it. But I could see what you're saying there with it being almost like a first world chain where the other chains that are popping up, like the layer two solutions and um, things like Tezos and Polygon and Solana are, are a bit more for the everyday person. They The gas fees are smaller, if, if at all. Uh, the impact on the environment is very minimal. Um, like, for example, the Solana chain uses um, the same emissions as a, a city of about a thousand people in the course of a year. So that compared to, say, the Ethereum chain, it, it's a very large difference, right, um, and on the impact that you're having. And then the price tag to entry, the simplicity of setting up your um, your wallets and things. It's 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 an easier experience because Solana is mix, mix, uh, connected to Shopify, for example. So less gas, less impact, connected to Shopify versus Ethereum. You're on OpenSea, you're paying high gas fees. Just sending your money to your wallet costs a large gas fee. So it, I agree with you on that one. It almost is like a separation or a barrier to entry for first world, second world. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank, thanks for explaining that. All right. So b- before we get too deep into the topic for today, <laughs> um, uh, you, you're you actually running uh, an, an NFT project you, you, and you've turned this into a small company uh, or maybe a big company, you no, know, because I've started hearing about some awesome partnerships. 
Uh, so <laughs> could you tell us a bit about Purple Penguin and about what, what you're doing there? But I'm also interested in understanding a bit about how your NFTs are helping you to innovate and actually disrupt your industry. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like that you added that extra point about disrupting the industry because that that is kind of one of our main goals. Um, so Purple Penguin is a project that my partner Chantal and I have started together. Um, she's my secret weapon or our CMO. She's uh, a marketer for a day uh, for her day job. So all of our SEO and our website design and stuff was all done by her in house. Um, so our project here is um, the idea is to gamify or incentivize climate conservation. Um, climate conservation has always generally been a guilt conversation. It's, it's very doom and gloom. Um, you know, you see a picture of an animal dying, you, there's a lot of like Sarah McLaughlin music in the background. <laughs> it's supposed to make you sad. Yeah. You make a donation and you get an email saying thank you, or you get like a tote that you have to use 20,000 or 200,000 times for it to actually offset the emissions that were used to create that tote. So it's really an interesting, um, area of, of um, like area for, for us to work in because with climate change, there's a lot of different, it, it's conversation has been around forever. Sorry. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Like it's, it's not a new conversation, but the way we're approaching it, we're trying to take it in a new way where we're incentivizing people for getting involved. So instead of sending an email saying thank you or a tote in the mail, like a, a bag you can carry or whatever it may be, we're trying to create um, play to earn games, metaverse experiences in real life experiences um, you know, taking from our last decade of hosting concerts and festivals and applying that to the community as a, an access point through an NFT. So by buying our NFTs, which directly uh, donate to different charitable causes, we can support these causes with the donations. We can support them by giving them a platform for education, um, you know, introducing them to new voices. We can create a collective change by bringing a community together because, you know, my voice is only so large but bringing together 5,000 holders that that can make a large impact globally. Um, so our goals really are to bring together this community of collectors around the world that are interested in climate conservation, are interested in video games, are interested in concerts and having fun. And we can combine it all together and reward them for getting involved. Um, you know, there's no reason that you can't go to a concert and a portion of that funding goes to climate conservation or um, like hyper casual games, for example, like Farmville or Candy Crush what if every 20 minutes that you're playing that game on the bus, you happen to raise a few cents or a few dollars for climate conservation and yourself on the back end? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's all about fun and, and changing the, the script of what climate conservation is. And we're utilizing NFTs as a new tool in our kit from our experience working in esports and, and in the music industry. Um, so we're just expanding on what we've been doing for the last 12 years with this new tool to create community, essentially. Wow, that's that's some super cool innovation there, man. Uh, using you, you know sort of like your free time on the bus to help fight climate change—that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. Um, and we've we've created some unique utility as well. Um, we have a we're doing two different things for for environmental impact. Um, one of the main things is our, our charitable donation. Um, so with that, we're going to be supporting a project called the Ultramarine Ocean Action Summit, and they're cleaning up World War II munitions. Um, because these World War II munitions are leaking titanium, which causes cancer in the coral and ocean animals, but that um, the leaking also is causing cancer in shoreline communities. So um, people that live in these shoreline communities where war has happened, which is literally everywhere, uh, are getting cancer at an average rate of 30 to 40% more than people that live on the mainland. So we're going to be donating to um, the Ultramarine Ocean Action Summit to remove these munitions from the oceans to help them, the ocean life, to help the 
um, the people in the mainland and just to clean up our, our waterways. Um, and then on top of that, we're also going to be offsetting the emissions of our community's Twitter accounts because NFTs live on Twitter. So we've partnered with a company called Cool Points Club. I love and, Cool Points Club. Awesome. Yeah, you know them as well? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're, they're a great company out of New Zealand. Uh, we partnered with them and we're going to be doing a surprise bonus NFT um, that you get from them, which gives you a one-year account for their program to offset your Twitter emissions. So we're applying a real-world impact for everybody's um, time that they spend researching and promoting NFTs and supporting our project with engagement and stuff, right? If you're going to be tweeting about our project, let's make sure that that doesn't impact the environment. Amazing. And we have a few other things as well on top of that. You know, we bought a forest through Treatum. We've donated to the Global Penguin Society. There's so many different things that we're doing through NFTs, and it's all through community fundraising. That's really admirable, man. Uh, You've certainly uh, taken this whole uh, climate action, um, you know, movement and just sort of like taking the bull by the horns and you're adding all this innovation and tech uh, to it. Uh, I love it. I I, I know there are lots of other people who who want, who are behind you and, and want to see this get done. So kudos to you and congratulations on, on just you know, taking this and, and moving forward with it. But let, let, let me turn the conversation back to the audience and back to our, mm-hmm. our, our main topic. So the, the main topic is really around how can we give advice to artists, to other artists who are sort of facing the, the criticism from you know, mainstream about the disadvantages of NFTs. And I know you've sort of dealt with some of that already. Mm-hmm. Generally, the the three main disadvantages of of NFTs that critics would give is NFTs harm the environment, uh, NFTs don't necessarily generate income, and NFTs uh, can be used to perpetuate fraud. So, of course, you've you've already walked us through sort of the the whole thing about the disadvantages to the environment, and there are and telling us that there are uh, other alternatives to Ethereum, right? There's Tezos, there's Solana, there these uh, layer two solutions that we can all jump into, and that mm. are nearly as harmful to the environment as an Ethereum or a Bitcoin. Uh, but I'd love if we were able to sort of continue that conversation and tackle some of the these other erroneous claims. Are, are you up for that? Yeah, of course. Um... I can mention that uh, for like helping artists financially, um, our artist is based out of Indonesia and he's a, a rice farmer. Um, so his farm with his family was actually affected. It's, it's him, his father, his grandfather, and his wife that live on the farm with his his youngest son, who's I think about one or two years old. Um, he's just a guy I found shilling in a Twitter thread. He was posting his artwork and I was like, this is a phenomenal art. Like I've got to hire this guy. Um, he doesn't speak a word of English. We use Google Translate to communicate to each other. Amazing. And his farm was actually affected by COVID. So they, they haven't really been able to farm the same way that they were before because of you know shipping and all these impacts that have happened around the world, right? Yeah. Um, so he's got a two-year-old son. He's living with his family. And we've been able to pay him a monthly wage that is the equivalent of what he makes monthly. He would make monthly there to pay for his rent and everything. Mm-hmm. So he's able to work on the farm with his dad in the day. He draws in the evening for a few hours and pumps out some traits and then some, you know, one of one storytelling ideas. Um, and then we pay him a monthly wage. But I found him through his NFTs. I wouldn't even know he exists. Um, you know, now we've been able to tell our community about his family story. Uh, we're doing some fundraiser NFT sales where we're, all the proceeds are going to go directly to his family farm. Um, and then beyond that, through our NFTs, one third of our NFT sales as our artists go directly to him. Um, because in our eyes, you know, the art is is a big part of the project. Without the artist, there is no NFT to sell. Um, kind of like when I was hosting concerts, right? Without the community and without the band or the DJ, you just have an idea. 
So same with the NFT, right? Without Bayou drawing these these NFTs, we just have a concept, right? So we have to support him and bring him along. So that's one perfect example of how somebody in a third world country that I wouldn't know exists is now supported through his art just because he was posting on a Twitter thread and I happened to see it. Yeah, I I, I think that that's so cool. And maybe even the probably part of the, the coolest part of it is, you know, that you're having these conversations via Google Translate. Uh, it's really fun, honestly. I love the. <laughs> he's a really cool guy too. Like we've become close friends over this. He sends us pictures of his son sometimes. Um, he sent us a picture of his son seeing um, his grandpa's haystack that he he made that day. It was his first time like going out to the field, I guess. And his son had a vanilla flower in his plan his hand. So we actually turned the vanilla flower into one of our traits. And this is it's really cool that that's kind of how it goes. And you know, being able to use Google Translate to talk to him and having to consider like don't use slang when i'm trying to explain something i have to articulate properly what i'm saying to him because he's going to run it through google translate and not everything's going to come through the way it does um so there was one time where he was asking me about um it, it was something to do with flying and the way we explained it he thought we were explaining like an airplane for the penguin's face and it was just a really funny thing for him to translate and we had to try and like figure out okay now how can i say this in a way that is going to translate properly that he doesn't think I'm saying draw a, an airplane on the penguin's face. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that, that sounds so interesting. Uh, just to be able to have those types of conversations and develop that that type of relationship. But the, but but back to the point, you're actually helping him to generate income with this NFT project. Um, and yeah, know, and we haven't even launched it yet. We're just supporting him out of our pockets to get the the work done. And then you know, once we do support or once we do launch the project, it, it'll be life changing for him. Hopefully, that's amazing for him. Uh, you know, I, I was actually thinking about it from a completely different direction, and I'm I'm glad I'm having this conversation with you because in my mind, um, NFTs aren't necessarily the blockchain product that's meant to generate income that's really for cryptocurrencies and nfts are sort of this uh digital identity that you're able to use in in, in different formats but you know you're showing through your company and 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 being able and being you know just a fear business person you know you you bring someone in and and you're able to provide value to them is that right yeah it's kind of like crowdfunding quite often I look at it or um, services like Patreon or um, an email list, for example, you're, you're crowdsourcing funding uh, for an idea or a cause, right? You've got a brand in mind that you want to create and you're crowdsourcing funding for this project. So it's almost like a, an IPO, but not going through the process of listing on a, on a stock exchange, right? It's, it's, it's like going through the stock exchange without having to go through all the same process because anybody can launch an NFT and anybody can invest in the NFT. Um, you know, certain countries you can't invest in stock in certain IPOs, right? But with an NFT, it empowers anybody to get involved. So if they believe in your idea and they believe in your ability to pull off this idea or creating a DAO, for example, where the community is responsible for the idea, um, you know, it, it empowers people to create their, their visions. Um, like, for example, I don't have uh, much experience in environmental impact, but I understand the need for this conversation and to actually be doing something about it. So through creating this crowdsourcing um, project, you know, we've raised about $10,000 so far for different initiatives over the last year. We have a community of around 800 people that hold our, our currency token, and we were able to use this as a way of crowdfunding to create a, a real world impact over the last, um, I want to say, in 10 months. and. You know, that, that's really amazing in my eyes. I never thought that 
most companies aren't cash flow positive in with the first year, let alone being able to donate $10,000 to to different um, charity initiatives and to give our community different airdrops and things. We've do- we've uh, sent our community our tokens. We've sent them free NFTs. So we're able to incentivize and reward and, and make real impact by bringing people together um, through culture and art, essentially, is kind of how I try to look at it. Wow, well, you, you've busted that myth right there, just just <laughs> like that. <laughs> of course, of course, NFT projects can be used to to generate income. You, you're you're doing it. You're, you're living proof of it. So so well done. Let, let's Thank let's you. Ju- let's jump into this uh, third point. So critics generally say that NFTs can be used to perpetuate fraud, and I'll tell you what, what I think of that right off the bat. It's you know, it's sort of like human nature where you, you, I don't know if it's possible to name a human invention that hasn't at some point been used for fraud, whether it's yeah. credit cards, email, fashion. I mean, everybody's seen like fake Jordans at least once in their life, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so why would we expect that human beings would, would suddenly have so much more integrity when it comes to this particular product? Uh, it, it, from from my point of view, it just doesn't make sense. Like, of course, people are going to try to take advantage of someone else, and especially yeah. like you look at the, like the time that we're in, we're we're, we're post pandemic now. But the, look at all the the struggles that are happening in the world. Like everyone is trying to figure out how do I get by, and, and sometimes you, you make tough decisions. Sometimes you, you make bad decisions. But uh, I I'd love to know what 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 your take on this is. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, like. It's unfortunate that human nature isn't always to do what's best, but we've we have a history of not doing what's best. So to, to expect that all of a sudden this new tool and new technology that can raise millions of dollars in a matter of minutes is going to be utilized morally is kind of naive, to be honest. I, I wish that it wasn't, but like I, you got to assume that people are going to use it to scam others and to manipulate. People do it with m- way more regulated markets. So this market being the wild west that it is, I'm really not surprised that there's a lot of people, you know, trying to manipulate people and take advantage of people. And it's it's unfortunate. I've had it happen to me, and a lot of people say it's like a, a rite of passage, but I don't think that's how it should be. And I think the market is maturing to a point where we are getting past that a little bit. It's it's still going to be something, and it's always going to be something. Kind of like um, People quite often ask me about the the flipping side of the market, right? So as the NFT market matures, are flippers that are kind of playing the casino game still going to exist? And of course there are. There's people that gamble. There's people that day trade stocks. So why would NFTs be any different? There's going to be people that buy long-term projects. There's going to be people that buy projects that say something that they believe in and it's it's an open window to their soul. And there's going to be people that try to make a buck every day off flipping the next project and that's kind of the reality that we live in. And if you're playing the flipping game, you might end up running into some projects that aren't so honest. And it's it's the unfortunate side of things, but it's the reality that we live in is that not everyone has honest intentions in literally every side of the world, even in sports. You know, there's there's enforcers that are dicks on the on the ice in hockey and in basketball and stuff. Like it's part of human nature that we're not all great humans. And like you were saying, it's really unfortunate that that's what people do. Uh, but we we really just have to strengthen the community. 
It, it, like, yeah, like lead by said, example, right? Yeah, it, it shouldn't be like who I'd have passage to to be scammed or taken <laughs> no. advantage of. No, it, it shouldn't be like that in in, in NFTs um, or, or in in Web three in general. And I think the community is maturing. Like you said, eventually we're going to get to the point where um, just by example, we we've sort of like shunned that activity away, and it, it's something that is of the past and, and not necessarily something that, that you see going forward. Like I'm sure you remember, and, and this isn't necessarily to call out any particular country or people or anything like that. But do you remember in the early days of the internet, you'd get the, um, the whole, like, I'm a prince from country X, you know, send oh, yeah. me some money. And, <laughs> yeah, and you know, still get those emails and phone calls, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like people don't necessarily fall for those anymore. Like we, we've gotten accustomed to it now. Like, yeah, yeah, that that's a scam. I'm, I'm not answering. Or like, Oh, I see this email. It looks kind of weird. Yeah. That's a scam. I'm not, I'm not reading that email, you know? So we've gotten accustomed to it and we figured out how to weed that stuff out. And, yeah. When and, the internet first came out, it was, you know, don't talk to strangers. Don't put any information online ever. Now it's like KYC. <laughs> you know, we we're very open now compared to what it was before. Right. So it's just a matter of it evolving and, and catching up to a, a more trustable space. And I think, you know, leading by example, having different companies that are reputable or marketplaces, like for example, Magic Eden that are now implementing a, um, a doxing service where you have to be doxed to run off their launch pad. Um, you know, that helps support the infrastructure and give people more secure opportunities. Um, and you know, there's always going to be people trying to take advantage of it. And I think it's just a matter of, like you said, um, Leading by example, people becoming more familiar with the language and what to watch for. Um, I think right now a big thing is scammers have the advantage of not a lot of people really understanding what's going on and what they're doing. So it's really easy to manufacture um, you know, social targeting and things like that because people don't really know what's going on yet. They don't understand that like clicking anything can be detrimental to your investment. And it's an investment in a brand at the end of the day, too. You are investing in somebody who you're hoping that they will achieve their goals, right? So when you invest in anything uh, or you believe in any company, it's not because that, like, per personally for myself, I'm, I'm investing because I believe that you, Jay, can achieve your goals that you suggested that your company wants to do, right? It's not because I like the name of your brand or the image of your logo or something. It's because the person behind the company and the team behind it can achieve their goals that they've suggested. And I think that's another thing too, is as the market matures, you'll have more mature teams, more experienced teams getting involved in this kind of stuff too. Yeah. Hey, you, you know, Kevin, you, you've definitely proven yourself to be a, an innovator with, with what you're doing with your NFT project, but then also a thought leader and just like leading us through this conversation, helping us to hit these points so that we can sort of tackle the, these, uh, these naysayers and, and the critics of NFTs and I, I really like what you were saying about the evolution of the industry. And so I'm conscious of the time. I want to want to keep us on time for the for the audience. And so the, the I think the last question that I have for you is going to be around what are you excited about for for the future of NFT? So there are all of these emerging developments that are happening. What are you most excited about for 2022 in in the NFT space? I think the thing I'm really most excited about is what's coming with um, AR technology. I think there's a lot of focus on on VR, but the abilities with AR, not even just for, for NFTs and Web3, but the abilities that AR brings to the table for um, you know biotechnology operations, that kind of stuff, it's phenomenal. Metaverse worlds integrating with real worlds, education, um, you know, that's one thing that really excites me more than pretty much anything else right now. 
Um, for Web3, what really excites me, obviously my own brand and launching our Penguins uh, for, for um, the month of April. Um, but I think it's just the, the innovation that's happening every day, you know, like to be a founder in a project, you have to research almost as much as you have to promote and build because there's new innovations coming every week. There's new services that are, are live that weren't a few months ago. Um, for example, we started setting up a DAO this week for our community, for our token holders so that they can have more involvement in, in the token and what happens with our Pebble token. Um, but the program that we are using for this only launched, uh, I believe at the end of December, beginning of January. So it, you know, it's a very new service that wasn't here a few months ago. And like, there are other platforms that were like that, but this one, I, I really like the way it's set up. The UX is really great for it. Um, so I think it's just the, the new innovations that are coming every week. That's what really excites me. It's not anything specific, any one specific project or anything like that. I think it's just the constant flow of innovation that's coming. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just excited in general. Honestly, it's it's a blank canvas. I've never had a, an industry like this to work in. I've worked in music and esports and cannabis and psychedelics. Um, so all these industries are fascinating and exciting, right? Who doesn't love music, gaming, cannabis, all this stuff? But Web3, you're bludging culture with finance and uh, experience. And it's it's I, there's nothing like it. I've never experienced anything like this. So that's what really excites me the most, to be honest, is just what's next? Who's going to announce a project tomorrow? Like every day, it's insane who's, who's getting involved. Uh, uh, I love it. You're right. Well, we're basically seeing the future being created right in front of our eyes. It, it's an amazing time to be alive. It's And, and if you're in NFTs, if you're in Web3, then in, you're, you're, you're sitting at, at the center of the evolution. And so it, it's pretty cool. So, okay. Just before we head out, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for, for being here and, and sharing all this information with us. I know that there are people in the audience who are saying, wow, I, I wish this conversation wasn't ending now. <laughs> and, and we want to give them the opportunity to keep the conversation going, to maybe reach out to you and, and connect like we connected on LinkedIn and, and keep the conversation going. How can people find you online? What's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, LinkedIn is going to be the best for sure. Um, that's where I, I found most of my relationships have happened. Um, you know, Twitter's great for following what's going on and finding out about you know new new releases and new projects and things. But I've really found the the project leaders that are you know making things happen. They they live on LinkedIn. Um, that's where all the CEOs and executives are. So you can find me on there under my name, Kevin Lawson. Um, you can find me on Twitter as Prof Quigley. Um, my nickname is Quigley. I've got a lab coat that I found that had Quigley on written on the back of it. So I tie dyed it a bunch of years ago. And when I started getting into concerts, that was kind of my costume for every show and how I knew if people knew me from concerts or if they knew me from outside of that world. So yeah. Professor Quigley is my alias if you ever want to find me there. And then otherwise, yeah, LinkedIn is the best way or visit us at our website. Um, you can always join our Discord, our Telegram, or shoot us an email at hello at purplepenguin.finance. Okay, great. To the audience, if you made it all the way to the end of our show, congratulations. You can check the links in the description of this episode to find all of the ways that you can contact Kevin. Kevin, again, thank you, man. I, I definitely appreciate you coming, joining us and having this conversation, sharing this amazing advice with the audience and sharing some of your experiences. This has been great. Uh, we hope that we can get you back in the future and just give us an update on what's happening with Purple Penguin. And maybe next time we dive a bit into some of those partnerships, find out more about what's happening with that company. Thanks again, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jay. And I just want to say, if you're thinking of getting involved in a project, start it. There's no reason not to. Thank you.